shopping. I got to set up a tree. Some of you who's had the tree set up already, hands up. Let's see. All right. So a bunch of you. It's been up in our house for a couple of weeks already. And it's like, yeah. I tried to put it off. I'm like, you know, my daughter's not here. We shouldn't set up a tree without Zoe. That's like December 23rd. At least it's like, that ain't happening. <laughs> We're not waiting for Zoe. Sorry, Zoe. You know, but uh, so we might set up our own tree downstairs with Zoe. I don't know. Let's go find some. Christmas come. There's the tree. And under the tree, boxes. Each box, a mystery. Maybe. Hopefully. Unless you came from one of those families like mine where my dad told my mom, I need a skill saw. So she went and bought him a skill saw and wrapped it and put it under the tree. No mystery there. You know, pick it up kind of heavy, kind of shaking it. Obviously, it must be the skill saw dad wanted one, one year. Oh, uh, my dad was awesome. I said, yeah, here's the thing. I, went to, I just went through the Canadian Tire Flyer. I'm like, here's things you could get me, Dad. And I just listed a bunch of things that were in the flyer. Made it real easy. Dad went out and bought them all. I'm like, Dad, I wasn't meaning all of them. I mean, it was, you know, well, thanks, Dad. You know, it was great. The mystery, right? As a kid, you look at those boxes. You're like, what is that? What is that? Well, we come to Christmas, and then we come to the mystery of Jesus. The most well-known man, perhaps, in the whole world, Jesus. Uh, more has been written about him. More documentaries produced. More artwork, you know, displayed about Jesus. But who really is Jesus? You see, I, I, I kind of view Christmas as an opportunity for us to talk about the mystery, which is Jesus. Because a lot of people look at Jesus like a boxed gift. It's nice. It's pretty. Obviously, it has something valuable in it. But they never open the gift. They just look at it. It takes space up under the tree. And, and, and at Christmas time, people turn the curtain back in their life, and they just peek out the window to see, well, man, you know, what, what is Jesus really all about? Maybe it's like those Venetian blinds. You know, you see them, you see them kind of flutter because someone's looking through to see, see who's coming in. At Christmas, we have an opportunity just when the curtain is open, just a little corner or the blinds are fluttering, to shine the light of the mystery of Jesus into homes and places where people don't really know what's in them. Mystery of Jesus. And the beauty is, in John's gospel, he's like, this, he's going to unwrap the box for you. You don't have to just wait or, or wonder or guess or speculate. He unwraps and says, here's the this is the beauty of the New Testament and of the Bible, is God doesn't stay hidden. He doesn't hide himself. He wants to reveal what he is, who he is, what he's doing, how you can relate to him. And so people that all year live their life without any recognition of God, suddenly in December we have an opportunity because they're just pulling the curtain back, and looking out the window. What is this all about? So that's where we find ourselves in John's gospel. Before we get to the text on the screen, I want to read John 1, verses 1 to 18. In the first century, this is how the church would hear it. They would hear it orally. They, they would gather together. Many of them were illiterate, so they would hear the text being spoken. In fact, throughout the world, even today, in, in, in illiterate cultures, people that can't read well, maybe they don't even have the Bible in their language, they're hearing this message. So just listen to the message. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me, but it's not going to be on the screen. John 1, 
1 to 18, because that's where we're going to journey for the rest of Advent. And we're going to discover the mystery of Jesus. So let me read the whole text for you. And hear it like you're a first century listener. Just listen. You're hearing it. You've heard stories about Jesus, and now John, one of the close companions of Jesus, one who saw his whole ministry, who watched him die on the cross, who, who saw the empty tomb, who saw the risen Christ, who saw him ascend into heaven. John writes this gospel years, decades later, and says, let me tell you about Jesus. Even decades later, all the persecution, the struggles, saw some of his, his comrades die for their faith. He is still firmly committed to, to the truth and the mystery of Jesus, which is no mystery. He's going to unwrap the box for us and show us who Jesus is. So hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines on in the darkness. Darkness has not mastered. A man came sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own or to his own people. But his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right or the privilege to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or human desire or a husband's decision, but by God. Now, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth who came from the Father. John testified about him and shouted out, This one was the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am, because he existed before me. For we have all received from his fullness one gracious gift. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only one, himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, has made God known. Lord, we come to your word. And we thank you that you are a God who communicates and speaks to us. You are the God who has revealed yourself to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Holy Spirit, who dwells our hearts, guide us to appreciate and to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning in deeper appreciation and thankfulness. Help me, Lord. This is a difficult passage, and I don't want to misrepresent your character in any way, shape, or form. But may you receive all glory and honor in Jesus' name. morning we'll look specifically at the first five verses we'll talk about the elements of this 
mystery, which is Jesus. Again, not, not, not something that's hidden, that's not revealed, but it's a, it's a mystery that's been exposed. And John wants you to know, and me to know, and us to know, and your neighbors to know, and your friends and your family to know who this Jesus is. John writes his gospel, and he'll select seven critical statements, seven crucial miracles, and he'll piece them all together, and then he'll spend a significant portion, chapters, you know, in the end portion of, of the gospel, pointing towards the passion, the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and his whole goal is that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, have life, eternal life. But he starts with this, the ancient mystery, verse 1. In the Not coincidentally, the very first book of the Bible begins with those same words. In Hebrew, of course, not in Greek. But this, the Bible starts with these words, in the beginning. And John ties the story of Jesus to, to that. In the beginning. It's an ancient mystery that's now being revealed. In the beginning. You see, the beginning in the Greek idea was this, the origin of life, the first cause. How did things begin? Now, you and I, and the modern thinker, the philosophers, the scientists, are looking for the first cause, have been looking for the first cause, trying to discover the first cause, the origin, where this all began. My science teacher, grade 10, Mr. Parker, said, we are just a millisecond from figuring out how this all started. We're still the same millisecond away, but we haven't quite got to the, to the very, and then John comes along and says, in the beginning, before time existed, before anything happened, there was the Word. He's introducing us to the self-existent, eternal God. It's an ancient mystery. What the Greek philosophers and the Roman philosophers and the Spartan philosophers and the Assyrians and the Egyptians, all those people tried to discover. John says, now this is where it began with It's an eternal mystery. You see that word was? The beginning was the word. There was no point at which the word began or started or was created or, or initiated. He, he just existed. Now, here we are, finite people, constrained by time, trying to understand an eternal reality. Very difficult. I said, I'm walking on thin ice here. The early church had men and women falling through the ice all the time because they're trying to explain Jesus. They're trying to fit into their own boxes and and John says, look, the reality is he has existed forever. This is an, an ancient mystery. It's an eternal mystery. And it's an expressed mystery. In the beginning was the word. You want to express an idea, concept, you use words, right? That's, I said this in the first service, right? Like, you have little kids, right? You know, at, at some age, you know, they come to you and they're like, nah! you know, use your words. Use your words, right? Anyone say that? Use your words, you know, and, you know, sometimes, you know, adults even do that. You know, use your words, you know, like, I don't want to hear you whining, crying, screaming. Like, use your words. You want to understand what's going on? Use your words. You want to have a healthy marriage? You got to use your words. <laughs> got to get by at work and, and communicate with your fellow employees. Use your words. God's like, I'm communicating to you with the word. The idea, the concept of God is putting on human flesh, the word, the, the, the who God is and, and what he is doing is, is encapsulated in Jesus Christ. It is an expressed mystery. God is choosing to express and reveal himself to us by sending the word. But he was there before time. 
before anything in existence was there. He was there. It's an expressed mystery. And we're looking for the meaning of the universe. Why are we here? What is this all about? People are coming up with all sorts of ideas. Paul in the first century, the Apostle Paul is in Athens, a place of great learning and and, 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 and dialogue and debate, and there in Athens is this altar to the unknown God. Why? Because just, there just might be someone else that exists that, that knows how this works, and Paul's like, I know that God. This, Jesus, is that God. Expressed mystery. Some people like Jesus in the gift wrap box and just stay there. It's a mystery. Jesus, right? The artwork has little halos over the manger, right? Because it's this holy son of God. It's sort of like untouchable. I can't really deal with it. But, it, but it's, it's God expressing himself to him. It's, it's a heavenly mystery because it says the word was with God. So, so he wants you to understand that, that when he says word and when he says God, he's talking about one God, but there's a word that's a component of this God, but then there's also a God who sends the word. And, and you're like, wait a second, I'm getting really confused because he's introducing the concept of the Trinity here. We've got the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're in this dynamic unity before time, before creation, before anything. There, there's this one God dwelling in this, in this triunity, and at some point in, in, their, in the plan and, and then the, in the, the background, God, the Father, sends the Son to take on human flesh and to provide salvation for humanity, and this is a wonderful plan, which we talked about, but it says, there we are, this heavenly mystery. We've got God, but it also has this word component, but that's not the totality of God is not the word. Now I'm getting really deep. Your head is pounding. Boom, boom, boom. What is this about? Because the reality is, when you get Jesus wrong, you get everything wrong. John wants to be really clear. When I'm talking about Jesus, I'm not talking about an emanation of God or, or some you know, mysterious you know, force of God. I'm not talking about some ethical example or moral you know, teaching. I'm not talking about just some prophet like others would say Jesus is. I'm talking about the very eternal, self-existent God who expresses himself, but it's different than God. It's, it's a component of God, but, but there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're dwelling together in, in triunity and in community. And you're like, John wants you to worship this Jesus. And he puts it out there, the mystery, very beginning. And it says there, it's a trans transcendent mystery. It says he was God. The Jehovah's Witnesses would want you to believe that Jesus is the first part. You know, the Father created Jesus, and then Jesus created everything. Like, like Jesus isn't God. But, but the, the Gospel of John is making it really clear. When we talk about God and we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the same thing. Jesus is God, but there's more to God than Jesus. It's a mystery. It's a transcendent mystery. He was God. And then it says in verse 2, the Word was with God in the beginning. He basically repeats himself. But he, he wants you to refrain, to step back and say, Why do we who are we talking about here? We're not just talking about the son of Mary and Joseph. We're not just talking about the great teacher, the guy that, that flipped tables over. In the, I mean, he, that's part of it, but it's more than that. It goes way back, way before that. Pink has said, A more emphatic and unequivocal affirmation of the absolute deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is impossible to conceive. He is God. I had friends that came from a different sect that had their own tradition, and 
we would talk about Jesus, and they, and they, they, they were very uncomfortable when I talked about God and Jesus in the same sentence. Can we just talk about God? And then can we just talk about Jesus? And I'm like, it's the same. Oh, no, 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 you know, because they had their own prophet. They had their own ideas. And I'm like, no, no, Jesus is God. And that was, that was a huge stumbling block for them. It's a transcendent mystery. It's a universal mystery. See that in verse 3 here? All things were created by him. Everything you and I see and experience, all of the data that scientists evaluate to come up with their theories of life came from him. Okay? If you believe in science, you are believing in someone's words about life. Science does not exist by itself. Someone comes up with an idea, puts it into words, and they call it science, and you say, I believe in science. So you're believing in what someone says about their observations of the world. Science has their own mythology on how the world began. Because it's a mythology, because no one saw it. No one observed it. No one lived 13 billion years to say, yeah, we saw this, how it all happened. We saw how the, you know. No one could do that. But John, who knew the very word of God himself, the son of God, says, this is what I'm telling you. All things were created by him. You can choose to receive or reject that, but if you reject that, you're rejecting the very word. Everything came from and through Jesus Christ. Hebrews would say the same thing. Colossians 1, 15 to 20 says the same thing. It's reiterated throughout the New Testament. Jesus is the creator, the sustainer. Life begins and, and came and, and from him. It's not only a universal mystery, all things, but it's a powerful mystery. They were created. He spoke, boom, and there it was. In the beginning, God said, right, Genesis 1, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus is this universal mystery and this powerful mystery that begins and, and initiates the universe, all things. And then he, he, reiterates, he reiterates it in the negative. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Not one thing. Everything you know and I know in this world came through the hand the power of this word, Jesus Christ. It is a powerful and a universal mystery. But is, is creation enough? Right? You know, like you go, you go camping and you're like, yeah, I, I, I feel, you know, you, you see God's design and creation, right? There's something about that. If you go to the mountains, I grew up in the mountains, yeah, I just see, wow, you, know, you just want to sing how great thou art when you see that big rock face and and, you know, and it's just, it, it is awe-inspiring, but it is creation enough. In Psalm 19, the psalmist would write about how the heavens declare the glory of God, and he goes on and on, but then in verse, in, in the middle of the psalm, he switches gears, and he says, now the word, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, right? He, he changes it. Yeah, God reveals himself in creation, but then he reveals himself specifically. Now John takes it a step further and says, now God's revealing himself in the Jesus. It's an existential mystery. We see that in verse 4. In him was Again, the Greeks had two concepts for life. One was bios, which was kind of just like breathing and, you know, smelling, and it's kind of just biological life. But then there's zoe, which was the the abundant, eternal life, the, the lasting life, it was significant relational life, and this is the word used there. You know, there, there's this life that God wants to impart to you and to me. It's meaning, it's significance, it's value. 
I'm reading this book called Unimaginable. It's by Jeremiah Johnson. What our world would be like without Christianity. So it's interesting. Anyway, I came across this. As a professor, I can speak from experience about the modern university classroom. More and more professors are atheists, even nihilists, believing that religion is worthless, teaching that life itself is meaningless. Have we so quickly forgotten the message of Jesus from John's Gospel? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Notice that Jesus did not simply come that we might exist, simply exist in the ordinary life, but rather that we might have an extraordinary life. In him was life. So there's something spiritual about Christmas, right? The Hallmark Channel and all the Christmas movies, they capture this sentimental aspect of Christmas. And, but without Jesus, it always just seems kind of empty, right? Oh, you know... City girl goes to the country, meets the hardware store owner, and quits her job in the big firm to buy the hardware store, and they live happily ever after and have 10 kids. You know what I mean? No Jesus anywhere, right? Christmas trees, Christmas carols, you know, Christmas pageants, blah, 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 you know. You know there's something there. Johnson would quote to Every 40 seconds, someone takes their own life. Every 40 seconds. By the time I'm this point into the sermon, dozens of people have died because they don't know what's going on. Imagine that. And that was before COVID. It was 2017. In him was life. And even the most crudest, rudest, you know, oil rigging, whatever person in Lloyd Minster is turning the curtain back a little bit at Christmas and wondering, maybe there's more to life than, than what I got. And, and the curtain is open, and we want to just bring the light of Jesus into that curtain in this moment, which we call Christmas, the mystery of Jesus. In him was life. And so John will record Jesus' statements about life, right? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. When things happen in your life that, that separate you and cause division in your family, cause you to have division with other believers even, like some of the rules and regulations have come out, that doesn't come from God. That comes from somewhere else. Understand that. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to separate families and pull you apart, but Jesus comes to bring us together. Forget that. Life. Jesus would write, talk to these ladies that were, had lost their brother and and he's already been in the tomb for a couple days. Jesus shows up. They're crying. They're, they're weeping. Why weren't you here, Jesus? You were our friend. We thought you'd come. He died. We buried him. All the mourners are there. And Jesus speaks to them. And he says, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. He's like, in that statement, he even says, even if you die, you will live. What does he mean? That there's more to life than just physical. Or there's this relational life. And if you have faith, you live forever, no matter what happens to your physical body. Now, shouldn't that affect the way we view pandemics, diseases, and sickness, and cancers, MLS, and Lou Gehrig's disease, and what a heart attack and strokes? Shouldn't that affect the way we view that? Yeah, it should. In him was life. It's an existential life. 
mystery? Why do we exist? Why are we here? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the, say it, life. So you want life, you need to find Jesus. And those without Jesus are living in this darkened room, peeling back the curtain of their house, looking out, wondering, is there more to life than what I got? Obviously, there's got to be more to this. Hopefully, we have the opportunity to shine that truth into their darkened living room, darkened bedroom, wherever they're living, and say, yeah, there's more to life. It's in him, it's life, the existential mystery. It's an illuminating mystery. See that? The life was the light of mankind. And he'll take that term and that idea of light and really pound it out in the Gospel of John, right? So he'll keep bringing that up. Life and light will keep coming out, those those. Those, those metaphors, those figures of speech, but he's like, understand that there's something illuminating about Jesus. That's why I'm talking about we're, we're sitting in dark rooms, but when we open up the curtains and let the truth in, it just brings light to our lives. In him was the light of man. We'll go back to that verse, sorry. Verse, yeah, there we go, verse four. He was the light of humanity, man. Light is knowledge and understanding or the capacity for love and understanding. So in the beginning of the world, right, there's this kind of primeval you know, chaos, and, and God says, let there be light, boom, and all of a sudden you can see. And it's interesting, in the book of Revelation, it's like, yeah, you don't need sun in, in the book, in the, in the final kingdom. Why? Because God himself is their light. Now here we are. The word comes into the world, and we now are, are seeing things that we didn't see before. This is what Jesus does. He helps you to see the world and your life from a different perspective that you didn't have before. In him, his life and light is the light of mankind. And then he talks about the, the victorious mystery in verse 5. It says, And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. And here's, here's, a, key, here's a key part of this text. The word shine... It's the only verb in this first five verses that's in the present tense. This is a continuous reality. The light is shining, it's shining, it's shining, it's shining, it keeps shining, it doesn't stop shining. It's not like that little flashlight I have. It's a really cool LED spotlight, and, I, and I'm, walking out, I'm walking out to check my chickens, or I'm looking in the field to see if there's something rocking out there, and all of a sudden it just dies. Boom. You know, like a flashlight kind of goes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Not this thing, it just dies. Boom. But here... It says, the light who is Jesus shines, keeps shining, doesn't stop shining. And it's shining into darkened bedrooms, darkened living rooms, darkened kitchens, darkened homes, and nothing the darkness do, does can overcome or master it. The battery never runs out. It keeps on shining. Some of you feel like darkness is real. It's like a Star Wars, you know, series that never ends, right? It's like, oh, or some of those Marvel things where the, the plot is so convoluted that you're, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Who's going to, what do you know? Well, obviously it's never going to get re resolved because there's another 20 series coming out, right? What's happening? What's happening? But that's not the story here. The darkness never masters it. It feels sometimes like the darkness is in the first century and today, you see a lot of stupidity and idiocy and division and 
all sorts of horrible things around our world, injustice. Randy was talking about the child poverty. Some of that could be rectified if local governments weren't so corrupt and, and all this stuff. There's just horrible stuff around. Children are abandoned or forgotten or abused. I mean, there's stuff happening all around us. People's dignity is not respected. And there's, there's just all, like, and, and, and if you watch the news and you listen to the media, you're getting, you're just hearing all this darkness. You're like, oh, man, what's happening? What's happening? And, and then we come to John. He says, darkness He'll go on to talk about that. I mean, John lived through the darkest day of history, watching Jesus die on the cross. He saw it. And, and right there, Jesus is like, hey, John, will you take care of my mom? Okay, I got her, Jesus. But I, I don't, this makes no sense to me. That Saturday would have been the gloomiest, grayest, blackest day of, of his life. But then Sunday. Literally. The tomb is empty. He goes and sees, and he, he grabs those grave clothes. He's like, he's not here. Jesus appears to him. He appears to multiple of them. He appears to 500 of them at one time. He ascends into heaven. He's like, yeah, this is real. The victory is won. That's the mystery. So you have the box. If you have Jesus, you have the box in your life. You can hide that box under your own tree and keep it to yourself, or you can choose to share the gift with our neighbors and with our community. A lot of churches just do Jesus and Christmas on their own. It's their own tradition. Closed doors, locked doors, candles. Yeah, we do it, we do it, we do it. They don't care what's happening in the dark world around them. They're just doing their own Christmas. That's not us. We care about the dark homes around us, the dark lives, the people that are without hope, without life. And we're saying we have the mystery, which is Jesus. We're going to share that mystery this Christmas. And sometimes you only get like a 30-second or 10-second window when that curtain is peeled back, but just wait, it'll come. This text is designed to bring you and me to our knees in adoration and awe at the glory of Jesus, the wonder of who he is and what he has done for us. And, of course, you've got to read the whole 18 verses to get the big, you know, grandiose, you know, the word became flash, and we received from, from his grace one gracious gift after another. I mean, this is a gift that keeps on giving. That, that comes out of John chapter 1. And having received and understood and appreciated, how can you help but share this? John just can't. It's like, i got to tell you about Jesus because it's so life-changing. Mystery Jesus. You've got that box in your house if you have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you need to receive Jesus today. I'm inviting you. He's offering you that gift. I'm unwrapping it for you now. Would you come and receive it? Man, figuratively speaking, you don't need to come up here, but in your heart, would you come towards Jesus and say, yeah, I believe you are the Son of God who died for my sins. Then in you, I can have life. It's not a mystery. It's revealed. God in his infinite wisdom says, now you've fallen, messed up, broken, imperfect creatures, would you share this message with your world? You and I pick up those pieces of our broken lives and say, if somehow you can put this mirror together and I can somehow radiate your glory in a, just in, in, a, in, a, in a muted way that someone might come to know you, Lord, may it happen. And that's what we want to do.
we'll continue on this story. I encourage you maybe to read through John in your own personal time this week. What a mystery. Hope it leads you to a greater place of worship and then a greater desire to share the message. And so as the team comes up here, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. And we're going to spend a bit of time in praise, just in our own hearts. And then I want you to think about people in your life that need Jesus. So you could share Jesus, you could send a card to, you could talk to, you could invite to come to this event too. I mean, somewhere along the line, you're going to get a, a little slip in the, in, in the curtain, a little crack of, of the Venetian blinds, and you're going to be able to, to share. And just let, Let's pray for those people. It's a family member. It's a neighbor. It's a co-worker. It's some friend you've had for years. I don't know what it is. It's a school, school per, schoolmate, someone that goes to school with you. It's someone that plays on a team with you. I don't, I don't know, but someone's coming to your mind right now. We're going to pray for those people. So let's pray. We worship you, O Lord, the Word, who exists before all time, who is self-existent, who depends on no one for your existence. We worship you. You alone are God. There is none like you. We praise you this morning. We worship you. We give you the glory. May this Christmas be a time of worship for each of us and our homes as we declare that Jesus Christ now we pray, Lord, for those in our families, those neighbors that live near us, those co-workers that share offices, job space with us, those kids that go to school with us. Lord, we pray for them. We, we, our, their heads are, their faces are in our minds right now as we are praying. We pray for them. We pray for those relatives that are so hard to deal with. We pray especially for those that seem so hard and so far from your light will shine bringing the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, not just for us, but for the churches of our city, that this Christmas we all together could, in our own way, through our own events, share that wonderful and same and unifying message of Jesus Christ. Light of hope of salvation. So bless other churches in our May we just be able to see lives transformed. His name. Let's pray. Lord, behold your truth. Pray that your family here would minister to each other and to our community this supporting, encouraging each other as we walk. May your light shine through us to those who need it, wherever we may be. Thank you. Jesus, everybody said, God bless you.